If you were to take what you think about God in this season of your life, and you were to think about what would it be like for God to visit you in this moment in time, visit your world, this world, what would that look like? What are you imagining? What difference would that make? There's a scenario in the Bible where something like that actually happened. It's not hypothetical. Luke is historian. And in Luke chapter 4, he tells us of a day, just an ordinary day in the Jewish calendar, a Saturday, and a day when the people met at the synagogue, just like Christians have been doing since the first century, meeting together for church on the first day of the week, when God shows up. This is how it happened. The Jews had their uh, version of a service order. They didn't print a bulletin or post it. Everybody knew. It began with the recitation of the Shema. Uh, the Shema is from the book of Deuteronomy, the book that Jesus quoted when he resisted the temptation in the desert. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. After the Shema, there would be a prayer time, and some of the prayers would be scripted already, so they'd be oft repeated. People would be very familiar with them. And then after that, there was the reading of the scriptures. The scrolls were brought out, the Old Testament law, Psalms, prophets, and the readings were typically scheduled and assigned. There was much community involvement. And then after that, someone would give what, they, what we would refer to as a brief sermon, followed by a closing or benediction. On this day, Jesus will be one who reads and speaks. We read in Luke chapter 4, starting verse 16, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. This is a dramatic moment. I mean, it appears that word of Jesus has already sort of gone around the region by the things that he's been doing. He now wants to make it clear who he is and what he is about. Verse 21, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. I mean, this is astounding. Jesus is a local boy. Imagine your neighbor's son saying that, hey, I'm a figure prophesied about in the scriptures. Jesus is claiming that he is the one prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. The mysterious servant of Isaiah, the Messiah, the coming one, the, the one that people would hope and long for. Luke is showing us once again that Jesus is the fulfillment of all that people put their hopes and dreams in. Now today, we have the luxury of hindsight. We have the luxury of being able to read ahead in Luke. We didn't have to respond in the moment. We have the luxury of seeing more fully who Jesus is, that this servant Jesus is actually God. And we can see from his words what God's mission is. Let me read the words to you again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is amazing. I mean, when you think about the big picture of of God's story in the Bible, how God created a perfect world and humanity messed it up, continues to mess it up. And here we are today still messing it, it up. You would think when God comes, God's just gonna clean up the mess, that he's gonna straighten everything out, that heads are gonna roll, people are gonna be held accountable, there's gonna be a judgment. And that's the way many thought it would be when God showed up. But here's the mission that God is on when Jesus came. Here's the mission when God shows up through his son. Good news for the poor, liberty to the captives, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed. Hey, I don't know what you have thought about Jesus or how you communicate him to others, but I think Jesus makes it clear here. He's on a mission of compassion and mercy, and he's all about making our lives actually better, especially for those whose lives could only be considered as difficult. And so a key question then becomes, do I see a need for Jesus in my life? The poor, every society has those who are the have-nots, but I think there's more to poverty than just lack of physical means and resources. Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert have given much of their life to the alleviation of poverty. They've written a book called When Helping Hurts, and they comment on a survey done of thousands and thousands of the poor. Here's what they said. While the poor people mention having a lack of material things, they tend to describe their condition in far more psychological and social terms than our North American audiences. Poor people typically talk in terms of shame, inferiority, powerlessness, humiliation, fear, hopelessness, depression, social isolation, and voicelessness. They go on to say that North Americans need to overcome the materialism of Western culture and see poverty in more relational terms. I think the interconnection between having means and being seen and heard is undeniable. A tangible lack so often results in a tangible disconnection from society. Poverty is overwhelming and all-consuming. But Jesus comes to bring good news to the poor. And this is true in every way, especially when you consider poverty defined in a, in a broader way to include relationships. The way of Jesus is to bring about a, a new world where those who are poor are not pushed to the margins of society, but are welcomed as equal contributors and, and receivers of society. And those who have equal access to the centrality of power, who is Jesus? As one theologian put it, the silenced receive the voice of prayer, the ignored have God's attention. When God shows up, it's good news for the poor, it's liberty for the captives. Hey, I think there's all kinds of different ways that we can become captives through economics, illness, through relationships. When Jesus came to bring liberty to the captives, he does so, he meets our immediate needs and touches us at the first layer, but he goes much further than that. He touches the, the, our deepest need, the ultimate layer. It's so interesting, the word liberty that Luke uses here, he uses exclusively in the rest of his gospel to refer to the removal or remission of sins. See, sin is the ultimate 
uh, inhibitor. Sin is the ultimate bondage maker, and Jesus would come and through what he do, bring about forgiveness and freedom from sin. Ultimately, ultimately, the root of all our problems is sin. Ultimately, the root of all that's good will be its defeat. When God shows up, there's good news for the poor. There's liberation for the captives, and there's recovery of sight for the blind. Yeah, literally, sight for the blind. Jesus would bring people who cannot see physically the ability to see. And not only that, it points to a greater eyesight. Jesus is spoken of as the light of the world. He has a way of illuminating what is true, uh, of showing us how things should really work, to light the way so that we can walk into the kind of life that we would hope to see and experience. And there's freedom for the oppressed. So often, um, poverty and oppression go together. Jesus is going to bring about a world in which taking advantage of those who have less means and power will not happen. Jesus, who has all power, who has all means, actually submits and surrenders himself to injustice to be taken advantage of so that by that experience, he could bring about the kingdom that he speaks about when there's good news for the poor, liberty to the captives, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed. Do you believe it? I mean, do you believe that Jesus would bring these kind of things for you? Is that good news for you? Or, or do you just see it as for someone else? See, I, I've come to see that these categories that Jesus has used here, they, they can apply to my life. They can apply to yours. I can be poor. What I mean by that is, Maybe, and there's no way I want to minimize the reality of being physically poor, but I can have all the material goods in the world and yet be relationally poor, especially with God. We see this in Revelation chapter 3 when God speaks to a church in Laodicea who, who are materially rich but have disconnected themselves from God. And here's Jesus' assessment of them. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve your, to anoint your eyes, so that you may see." So let's say you've been disconnected from God. You've actually been moving away from him. Does this mean that Jesus wants to push you away, that he wants to punish you? Absolutely not. Listen to his words to the Laodicean church. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Listen to the invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. We just need to recognize our need for God. We just need to recognize our poverty. This is good news. Even when we've gone away from God and we've ignored him and pushed him aside, he is waiting there knocking on the door for our relationship to be restored to health. Whether I am poor and I need good news, whether I'm captive and I need liberty, whether I cannot see and I need understanding or physically need to see, whether I have all the material wealth and I live in a country where I'm so free and yet 
I'm still bound up in a habit, enslaved, oppressed to a way that I cannot break free from. Jesus came to be the difference. He's on a mission for you, for you to receive. Will you receive it? I think one of the greatest ways we can become captive, and we see it so often, not just out there in the world, but in the church, is in the area of pornography. Pornography has become such a, an easily accessible um, thing and, and so quickly becomes addictive. And yet, it brings so much shame, so much hurt. I never hear someone say, hey, I'm so glad I'm addicted to pornography. No, and especially if you're a follower of Jesus, you know this is not what God wants for you. And you, you feel and you experience the damage that it's doing to you personally and to your relationships. But you feel trapped. You feel oppressed because it's so powerful. It alters the, our brains and the, and the chemicals in our body. And these words of Jesus, even as you're hearing them today, maybe they just ring hollow for you. Is Jesus the answer? Is he the liberator from oppression and captivity? Yes, I believe so, but not in isolation. In our men's ministry, we run a series called The Conquer Series, and people who have overcome the addiction of pornography will tell you that seldom is victory and freedom found on your own, that so much it happens in the community with other kingdom people whom God has supplied for you as a resource so that you can walk into the freedom that Jesus has already purchased for you. And I think this is just an example or a microcosm of, of what it can be like to receive from Jesus. You see, we never earn what Jesus has for us, but I think faith and expectation produces in us an effort so that we will receive. You see these in the stories that Luke is going to provide for us. You see the, this, this idea when uh, friends of a paralytic, through their faith, they, they break through a ceiling in order to lower their paralytic friend down into the presence of Jesus so he can be healed. You're going to read, as you read further on in Luke, a story of a woman who has spent her, her finances, 12 years afflicted with an ailment, and all her finances are gone to the doctors. And she pushes her way through the crowd so that she can touch Jesus with an expectation to be healed. You're going to read a story of a blind man who can't see but hears that Jesus is walking towards his way, crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And while people are trying to get him to shut up, his expectation and faith causes him to cry out even more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he receives his sight where faith and expectation meet God's provision. You see, when we, when we believe that God has these things for us, we go for it. Could it be that we receive so little from God because we expect so little from God? Still today, I believe there is good news for the poor. There's liberty for the captive. There's sight for the blind. There's freedom for the oppressed. There is a year of jubilation. These words reflect the year of jubilee in the Old Testament where, where the slates are wiped clean. Life is better. There's a new start. These are not empty promises. When we read in Luke, we see that Jesus is both a man of powerful words, 
but also a man of action. Luke summarizes Jesus' life this way in his second book, the book of Acts, as he refers to his first book, the Gospel of Luke. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Do and teach. What we've looked at so far in Luke chapter 4 are Luke's uh, recording of Jesus' words. Going forward, he's going to show us how Jesus backs up those words. Good news for the poor, liberty for the captive, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed. Yes, for real people in real life. Soon after what Luke has written here, he's going to show us Jesus' first miracle. We read in verse 33, And in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Word of Jesus, who he is, what he is doing, goes viral. Soon we read of a, of a second miracle. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Well, there's so many needs in the community. Uh, Luke tells us that word got out quickly. And because there's so many needs, as there is today in our world, the people came flocking to Jesus. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. The Christ, the anointed one, the one on whom the Spirit of God rests. In Luke's gospel, there are uh, 20 plus stories, miracle stories of Jesus working, what he did, not only taught. And these events, these stories confirm to us that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. And they show to us what the kingdom of God is like, what it is like when God shows up and God rules. That's good. It is so very good. He comes to make our lives better. What a tragedy not to receive everything that God might want to give us. And what an ultimate tragedy to outright reject Jesus. Sadly today, as it was back then, there are those who would rather throw Jesus off a cliff than to receive him and his words. When Jesus read the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue on that day, as he was reading, he stopped mid-sentence in Isaiah's words. In Isaiah, it goes like this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. When Jesus came, and he came to earth, he came to take on humanity. 
He came to live a perfect life, go to the cross, die for us, rise from the dead so that every person could have their sins forgiven and that they could have a right relationship with God. But to reject Jesus and the provision of God through him, there remains no more solution. Only vengeance, only a future judgment, though this is not what God wants. You know, one of the most known verses in in scripture is in the Gospel of John where he writes this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. At the end of that chapter, John says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the time to receive Jesus. You can receive Jesus right now. You can receive the better life that he has for you that not only begins now, but extends for eternity into the future. I want to receive everything that God has for me. And when we do receive, here's the next part. Just as God was on a mission for the rescue and and the good of his people, so he sends us with him to be on mission to bring the same kingdom life to others. Think about it. Everywhere Jesus went, things got better. Things were changed. Things were different. God wants you to be a difference maker because you carry within you the commission to bring the kingdom life wherever you go. We see how this works out in Luke chapter 10. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus had his 12 disciples, then there was the 72, and he sends them out to carry the kingdom message. But he tells them to pray for more, and that prayer extends to you and me that we also would demonstrate the kingdom of God. Later in Luke 10, he he says this to those he sends out. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Everywhere they go, they're to bring the kingdom of God. And part of that, was the miraculous working of God to heal. It's what it should be like. Those of us who are in the kingdom, wherever we are together, we should be good news to the poor. We should be liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. We should bring freedom to the oppressed. This is why our vision statement in Central Heights talks about the flourishing of our city and the world. We want to be a movement of more and growing followers of Jesus, developing healthy churches for the glory of God and the flourishing of our city and the world. This will only be possible by the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, how did Jesus say his mission began? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we see that Jesus did what he did in the fullness of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And so it should be for Jesus' disciples. We have received the Spirit. When we believe, we've received the provision of God's presence. In essence, God has showed up. And he is showing up in our lives by the Holy Spirit. And we are to be people who cultivate the life of the Spirit, that we are evidencing the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't even go on mission if you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit. God wants to show up in us so he can show up through us. And that way, God can do the miraculous through us today. That's right. He can still do the miraculous in and through us today. See, I believe that we should be doing everything we can practically to bring good news to the poor, for example, to alleviate poverty and suffering in in practical ways and means. We should stand up for those who are being pressed. Organizations like International Justice Mission, how they they come between those who are impressed and and courts that are abusing people. We need to do everything we can in, in practical ways to bring about the kingdom of God. But there's a place and there's a time and there's a season when the only way is that we need a miraculous intervention of God by his Holy Spirit. You know, as I look at our, our, our lives and I look at my own experience as a, a Christian believer, I can testify to times when I have been around or heard people give personal account of their experience of God's miraculous work in their lives. I think of a guy in, my, in an Alpha course that I was in that was healed of his color blindness. I mean, that's remarkable. I can think of a coworker who had significant hearing loss through an accident, but was healed from that. So I've seen it, and maybe you have too. But I have to believe there is so much more, that there's too much gap between what we read in the scriptures and what we are personally experiencing as believers and as the church. We need more. We need more of the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives to bring about the kingdom, the better life, not only in us, but through us as God commissions us. Which brings me to prayer. In just a couple of chapters later in Luke chapter 11, Luke records the words of Jesus where he says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. And just to make his point clear, Jesus says, he talks about a father who gives good gifts. And the one gift that Jesus wants to make sure we understand that the father wants to give us is the Holy Spirit. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let me summarize what I think we've learned from the scripture today. Jesus is the promised one, Messiah, King, God. In Jesus, God showed up to make our lives infinitely better. Let's receive all that He has for us. And having received, let's join him on his mission to see his kingdom come in others too.
from here, I want to give us just one simple thing to do. And as we're entering this week later into 21 days of prayer, I, I want to make this an item of prayer. I just want you to do one thing. I want you to pray along these lines. First of all, I want you to pray for God's kingdom to come, for his kingdom to come in you, and for his kingdom to come through you. Pray for God's kingdom to come in you. This could mean you're asking God to uh, fill you with his spirit. You're asking God to liberate you from something that you are captive to. You're asking God to help you see, give you understanding around something that maybe you're struggling with. And then I want you to ask for his kingdom to come through you that God would empower you by his Holy Spirit in your networks, in your, in your family, friends, or, or where you work, however that's working right now, that you would be able to see what God is doing and bring the kingdom life of God there to that place. Simple thing, pray. God's kingdom come in you. God's kingdom come through you. And then I want you to extrapolate that out, to pray that for others, to pray that for your family and for your church. God, would your kingdom come in us and would your kingdom come through us? I'm going to close now by simply praying for us. I invite you to join me as I pray um, that we just really receive from God today. Father, we come before you and I thank you, Lord, for the good news that you've brought us here through your word. And today, Lord, I just want to pray. We want to receive, Lord, everything that you have for us. Lord, for some, that might be for salvation for the first time. For others, Lord, it, it might be, God, just to be liberated from something we're held captive to, a habit, an addiction. Lord, we want to receive everything that you have for us today. Lord, we want to receive your Holy Spirit. We ask, God, that you would fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit because we want to receive your commission, Lord, to be on mission together with you, to bring this kingdom life, this kingdom world to our world, which so desperately needs you. And Lord, we ask that we would receive your power to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.